At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. Put your hands up! This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. Yo, the NCAA tournament is here. Five Pac-12 teams are going to the Final Four, according to Bill Walton. We have a wonderful interview with Mike Yam, formerly of the Pac-12 Networks, over at the NFL Network now. Elijah Molden, who was a DB at UW, whose dad played at Oregon. I got questions for Elijah Molden. And Jalen House, he's out of the house. And Jed Fish has new media policies for Arizona football. And Utah fires their men's basketball coach. And then there is AB609, which you want to know about because this would absolutely change the Pac-12 because California universities would have to pay royalties directly to college athletes. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. And this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Thank you for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles. The pack to the podcast by Pac 12 fans for Pac 12 fans where you get the truth. And most importantly, you get me and Ralph. Uh, and you won't get peanut butter and chocolate together. Um, um, you guys make sure that you listen to us as well on the Right or Wrong podcast. And you can listen to me as well on Fox Sports Radio, Sundays, 2 to 5 p.m. And Mad Dog Sports Radio, 10 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. So, Ralph, Pac-12 Apostles. Yo, what do you think about the the new format with these interviews more often? I like it. I like it. I I think you've been doing some really, really good work. And and they've given interesting answers so far. I I feel like all I do is listen to podcasts and and interviews with, with different people. And I know the difference between a good interview and, and, and one that's just kind of going through the motions. And I think, uh, I think you've been doing a really good job. Ralph, you don't have to just say that. All right. So 
you don't have to just say that, even though I do appreciate it, though. Um, and I cannot I, I, I cannot lie. So uh, anybody that knows me and Ralph, we we are partners in all of this stuff. We have some really good things. We have some really dope things rolling out in the next couple months for Unafraid shows, some stuff that you guys are really going to love. But I also I bounce a lot of ideas of all, off Ralph. I'm like, yo, I'm doing I'm doing this interview. What you what do you what, what do you think? What should we all ask this guy? So that that's how a lot of this gets gets done as well to take you guys into Sausage Factory. Uh, but you guys uh, you guys can get a hold of us. Shoot us a text on the Textoso line. 818-293-7547, 818-293-7547. You guys have been giving us uh, some really good text to uh, to uh, talk about and all of that. Um, so, Ralph, what do, do we have any reviews? Let's see. Let's see. We had a couple of good ones last time. So hopefully those keep coming. You figure I'd be better prepared, but oh, not on the Pac-12 we're- Apostles. While we're waiting on that, here's a text from the Textoso line. Is Dennis Dodd a UW alum? I'm trying to figure out what UW has done in the past to make him feel like they would go after a coach like Urban Meyer if he was available. They just lost the DC to a lateral job. Also, UW goes to the conference championship if, if it wasn't for COVID. Did he even watch them? No road games and easily could have lost to. Oregon State and Utah. Needless to say, I wasn't surprised. I was surprised how high Dennis was on UW. Yeah, so we don't have any reviews, so we're going to have to leave it at that. I do remember listening to that interview and thinking that that stood out to me. His his affinity for Washington stood out to me. I didn't. I, I I'm not a, a, an Oregon homer. Uh, so I didn't take offense to it, but I, I, I did uh, raise my eyebrows a little bit at the Washington talk from Dennis Dodd. Yeah, I, I, I thought so, too. Um, OK, so here is an unresponded to text that I forgot to respond to. Um, Sun Devil fan here. OK, he, he comes from Ralph's neighborhood. <laughs> Do you, George, have a solid reason why the Sun Devils won't win at least 10 games? I believe they can and should. Dark Horse Heisman, the most experienced and mature Pac-12 defense, and no major coaching issues. That's just three reasons why they can win 10 games. Now your take. <clears throat> ah, okay, let me clear my throat. I actually had to pull up Arizona State's uh, football schedule just to, just to make sure that, because I don't want to be inaccurate. And so... They they get two free wins to open the uh, season. They got Southern Utah and UNLV. They better not lose either one of those games, right? Right. Uh, BYU is coming. They play at BYU, but BYU is breaking in a brand new quarterback. All of it. They should win that game, right? I agree. Okay, so they should start out three and three and zero. Then they play Colorado. I, am I supposed to believe after last season that they'll beat Colorado or, or, or am I unsure being that Colorado's returning their quarterback? I'm I, saying, is that, is that a, is, is that a layup or is that a pick them? I think that it's, 
it's somewhere in between, but I think they should be heavy favorites. Okay. So, but, okay. So how good do you think Arizona state's offensive line is going to be? As good as it's been since the 2015 season when they had a couple of guys drafted. Okay. So where do you think they'll fit in, in terms of offensive lines in the PAC 12? Top three. And who do you have in front of them? Washington and Oregon? Oregon's tough because – so Oregon and Stanford are tough because they had a lot of guys get experience, but just because you get experience doesn't mean it's good experience, right? So I think that USC has actually been recruiting pretty well, um, and I think Washington belongs in that conversation. And then I think ASU, Oregon, Stanford all have guys coming back with a lot of experience that need to prove that that's good experience. ASU's okay. run game looked probably the best of all of those teams, though. Okay. Um, okay. Then at UCLA, I think that's a loss. It might, it might be. It might be. Chip Kelly seems to have ASU's number. Yeah. And it's at the Rose Bowl. UCLA's way better senior quarterback. And then they play Stanford. That's not going to be a layup. Like, that's that's going to be a tough, tough game. Then they play at Utah. Utah actually has a quarterback now. Utah has a quarterback. That's not a layup. They play US, they play USC. They play at Washington. I mean, th- th- it is entirely feasible that this team loses five games. I mean, they, they could go seven and twelve, which would which would mean that they would go four and what? Four and five in the Pac-12. I mean, I, that's not me. I think it's ten I, wins or bust year. It, it can be ten wins or bust, but but where do you find the ten wins though? So they got at Oregon State, which is going to be tough. You know what I mean? Uh, they are in, in no November. It'll probably be a night game, so you know it's going to be foggy as hell. Um, they're going to play at Washington the week. Before Seattle's tough to play in. Right before that, they play Seattle. I'm sorry, they play USC. I I'm I'm thinking eight. I, I got them at eight wins. I got them at eight eight wins. I have them at nine going into either conference championship or bowl, but I doubt they get into a conference championship at six and three in the conference. Yeah. And and does when people say Tim wins or bust, are they including the bowl game? Or are I they am. talking about the I do. Season? I do. I do. I think a 10 win season is a 10 win season, but if you're 10 and three, that's a pretty good year. Yeah, I, I would agree that. And that would be a step up because when, because they, they haven't won 10 games since early on in, um, in the last coach's tenure. Graham, right? Graham did it yeah. back to back seasons. And then that's what led everybody to pick them to go all the way in 2015. And they went seven and six. Yep. Exactly. So, but if, if Arizona State doesn't win 10, 10 games, you you have has the Herm experiment been successful? No. No, not based on the the standards that were outlined by Ray Anderson when he hired Herm Edwards, which was top 15 in the country, top 3 in the conference consistently. Yeah. And then spring ball is starting. And so there's a lot of expectations surrounding like Oregon, Washington. If you are 
Washington and Jimmy Lake, who they were, uh, who people were talking about, about Dennis Dodd being so high on them. They played Michigan at Michigan. What do you think that a successful season for him has to look like this year? How many wins? Uh, and is the Michigan win a must man? No. The Michigan win, I don't think is I, – I think that it should be expected if you're a Washington fan, but I don't think that it's a must win. I would say that I personally believe um, they got to – they got to have a nine win season for okay, it not but, to become an issue. So, okay. So there, the three key games on their schedule are Michigan, Oregon, and Washington state. So if they lose all three of those games and they win nine games, is that a, is that a season? I think that's a good season for Washington. And, and, and they lose to Michigan, Oregon, and Washington state. And they go nine and three. Yeah. Yeah. Then I think that that would, I, I think that that would, there'd be some dissatisfied Washington fans, but at the same time, I think that it would buy you a year because then the thought would be, all right, fix those three things and let's win a natty. Right. I mean that, I, I don't think that that would work. I think that the Washington state loss would be un, untenable because they won so many years in, in a row. I think that it would be bad. I think that that would be the one that got him fired. That if they went nine and three and lost those three three games, Washington fans would be so, actually. I don't think he would get fired for nine and nine and three if those were the three games. But let that happen two years in a row, he gone. Yeah, I was gonna say hot seat year two. I don't know about that. Well, well, it, it also depends on how their recruiting goes goes too because it's been kind of. Um, up, up and down. Hey, speaking of Washington, and I know that this stuff drives you nuts because you spoke out on the Colson Yankoff situation and you got a bunch of hate. Oh my it. God. I, I forgot to tweet about this. Go on. Yeah. So they're blocking Ethan Garbers, who was a prize recruit, brother of Chase Garbers, um, who decided to transfer out of Washington and go to UCLA. And they are, bro- they are blocking his immediate eligibility um, for intra Pac-12 transfer. And Washington has every ability to waive the requirement and they're refusing to do so. Dude, it is so lame. Dude, it is super lame. I, I, I cannot hate this anymore. Like their defensive coordinator just left for another job because it was better for, for a him. This kid right. is leaving because he thinks it's a better situation for him. What is the difference? Oh, well, it's a commitment. The The coach had a commitment. He was under contract. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? He, it's not – okay. So I've heard it justified in that, like, well, it would give you a competitive advantage because you were in that locker room the year before. This doesn't stop you from being in the locker room. UCLA already has a built-in starter. Yeah, Garbers probably Garbers might not even be the number two quarterback. He still gets to be in the room when they're game planning. Nothing changes about that. So the only motivation for doing something like this is to be petty. That's it. And I know, and I I get it. I get it. I get it. For every fan in the Pac-12, you will defend your own because you root for the laundry. I understand that. You're incorrect, though. You're wrong. Yep. You couldn't be more wrong. And I will welcome you to my side of things 
when another team does it and you decide because it's not your team, you want to protest in some way. I'll welcome your support then, but just understand it's lame as hell when you do it too. And now you've done it twice and you look petty and stupid. Yep. So it, it is, a, it is just, it's lame. It is cowardice. It is, um, I, I, I can't think of enough bad adjectives for it because. And again, he won't even be the number two quarterback. They started Chase Griffin last year. They like him. You like him. Yep. Yep. And stupid. But, yep. But if something were to happen to them, no, we don't, we don't want him to play. I, I, I think it's lame. It, it's super lame. Um, and Washington fans, if you would like to speak your mind, you heard the phone number up front, 818-293-7547. It is, it is open to you or you can shoot an email. I'm Matt, I M A D at unafraidshow.com. Please hit us up. So anyways, um, the, uh, we, we found out news from Jed Fish who is Arizona's new coach. And he talked about that they're going to have new media policies for Arizona football for spring practice. Everything is going to be open in-person interviews. He'll be available every day and position groups and coaches will have set days, which is a far departure under the way it was under Kevin Sumlin. Do you think that this is the way it should be done? Well, absolutely. It's the way that it should be done. Um, What Kevin Sumlin was trying to accomplish by protecting his team from the media, I don't know. Uh, It's not like there's a ton of national interest in what's going on in Tucson anyway. That's not a thing. And so all he did was irritate the, the Tucson star employees and the um, the other different publications that cover University of Arizona football down there. That's all he did was make sure that they wouldn't be on his side at all over anything. And it didn't make sense to me because the sports information director at the University of Arizona, his name was Daniel Burke, and he worked for the Tucson Daily Star before taking the SID job there. So I know that's not something that he thought would have been a good idea because that would have messed him up when he was when he was writing for the Daily Star. And then ultimately, Daniel Burke left the position, which I was not surprised about. And so I don't know what Kevin Sumlin was thinking. I don't know if he thought that Tucson was um, the same as College Station, where College Station not only has like rivals in 24-7 dedicated sites, they also have like two standalone subscription-based sites out there. Like the the level of fandom at Texas A&M is 20 times what it has ever been in Tucson. And so the only thing he did with that is annoy the local media and hurt his players uh, ability to gain any type of notoriety or footing in the age of name image and likeness. Um, I drove all the way down to Tucson once to cover a game that he held Khalil Tate out of never explained why, and then didn't allow for interviews of anybody who didn't actually appear in the game. 
So even, even I got bit by this and I was super annoyed. Um, Jedfish is doing the right thing. It's what everybody wants anyway. And it's a breath of fresh air. It's the same thing Herm Edwards did when he came in and took over for, uh, for Todd Graham, who was being more and more restrictive with uh, media policies as well. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's everything that Jed Fish has done so far has been the right thing to do. Yes, it has. He's on a winning streak. Yeah. Well, and with, we but were, without the wins. And we were doubting him. Uh, you, you guys, if you guys want to hear our interview with Jed Fish, go back and listen to the last podcast. It was super, it was really, really good. Um, then we, we do have an interview now though. And this is by, and this is with Mike Yam. Mike, Mike Yam had been at the PAC 12 network from the beginning of the network until, until the pandemic hit and they furloughed everybody or fired everybody, laid them off. And then he went and got another job. He was like, yo, I'm not coming, coming back. And I think part of it is because I think it's because he saw the writing on the wall as far as the Pac-12 networks with the new TV deal, and he got another opportunity. But uh, here's what he had to say. Mike Yam, welcome to the show. Appreciate the invite, man. Dude, it's like the best time of the year, right? I mean, we, And by the way, we actually have basketball to talk about in the month of March, unlike last year. So uh, things could not be better. And, you know, we got some bubbles that might be bursting. I know, I know. So in well, so we uh, saw that in in the Pac-12, and I think that the team bubble who may end up bursting could be UCLA because the Oregon State, who was the five seed, may end if they can beat. Because uh, it looks like Colorado is probably going to beat USC. So if Oregon State can beat Colorado in the Pac-12 championship. UCLA may be sitting at home during tournament time. Yeah, I mean, UCLA is probably going to be sweating it out just a a little bit. I do still think that they get in. Uh, That said, I mean, Oregon State's got a great opportunity here. You would have told me that they'd head into the Pac-12 tournament and take out UCLA and then Oregon on back-to-back days. I I don't know if I could have cooked up the recipe for that to actually take place. Now, it will be interesting because, like you said, I mean, Colorado currently is up against USC. It's about a minute and a half to play, but it's still a tight basketball game, and I think the match up at 70-67. I think the matchup between um, either one of those programs is going to be difficult. I think the one thing that we saw from Oregon State, though, um, in the win against UCLA and certainly in the win against Oregon tonight is just this, the a front line that didn't get nearly enough credit. And Ethan Thompson, who if I'm not mistaken, Georgia, I think he's like a 20%, 26% three-point shooter. He had five triples in the game. And sometimes you need performances like that to, to actually take place. And by the way, now, a one-point game between Colorado and USC with 35 to play and the Buffs are on top. Yeah, I, I am a, 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 a guy. Obviously, I'm a Pac-12 guy. But at, at the same time, I try to give things a, a realistic per, perspective. And it doesn't seem to me that the Pac-12 teams have gotten necessarily a fair shake in in, in the rankings because Oregon won 11 of – no, tw- uh, yeah, 11 of 12 games. And they were the only team ranked – well, no, no, sorry. And they weren't ranked. And you had U- USC lost one game, fell out of the rankings, and then Colorado, who was the 3C, was the only team ranked. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, this is sort of a narrative that I think the league fights, and it's been fighting. Look, I worked at Pac-12 Network for almost 10 years, and, you know, it was a narrative. You know, I'm from the East Coast originally, so when I came out to the West Coast, you know, you'd heard about, like, this this East Coast bias. And, you know, I used to say, like, man, come on now. And then I, it took me two weeks on the job living in San Francisco to go, oh, my Lord, like, that, that East Coast bias is actually a real thing. But you're right. I mean, look, it, it's something that the league has had to fight now not only in basketball, but in football, this season is, is tough. And not that I'm willing to give a pass on, um, you know, those polls and those rankings, but I do think this year in particular, it is harder to evaluate these teams because of the starts and the stops and the starts and the stops and, and, you know, some of the situations that we've been dealing with because of COVID-19. So I do think it's harder to handicap, but as you know, and get into the dance, and it's kind of the great equalizer. You know, like that's your opportunity to prove, you know, that you belong and that the rankings are, um, you know, not accurate. I mean, I've talked to a couple coaches in the conference, and they'll tell you, like, you know, look, there's only so much that you can control that's out there. It's something that they've had to fight for a while, and, you know, they have to prove it. And the reality is, the last few years, other than Oregon, the league has not had success in the NCAA tournament. They haven't had success in college football, getting to the to the playoffs and obviously winning a national championship. It's been a very long time. And I candidly, I don't know, I don't think that this is going to be a year that, where that drought gets snapped. Yeah, I, I do think that the team that has the best shot at making a deep run in, in the tournament are, are, are two teams. I think that Oregon, because Dana Altman's teams always play well in toward the no end doubt. of the year and in the tournament, but also USC only because they're like the biggest team in the country. It's, it, they, they look yeah. like the monsters out there. It's like six. <laughs> it's like five, five guys, six, ten and above. It's incredible. It really is. Look, the Moby brothers on that front line, and you're right, they are the biggest team in college basketball. You know, those dudes can play, and Evan obviously is a potential lottery pick. And, and when you have a guy like Mobley uh, on the floor, you know you really have an opportunity to to win every single night. And um, you know, to me, it, look, basketball, you know this. It comes down to sometimes if you just have the best player on the floor, and Mobley on most nights is going to be the best player. Now, once again, like that doesn't always equal wins, and and it looks like it might not equal one in the semifinal because it's three seconds to play and Colorado's up by two and Mobley's been terrific in this game. So it doesn't always mean that you can win, but it comes down to matchups and look, all of us have watched sports all of our lives. We've watched the NCAA tournament. We know there's going to be Cinderella's, there's going to be upsets and there's only so much that you can control, but you know, to prepare for someone like Evan Mobley is such a difficult task because of his length, because of how he can dominate. Now it just becomes from a USC perspective. Can you, can you consistently hit shots from the perimeter to to really take advantage of Mobley's size? And I think that's one of the big questions. And, you know, Oregon, you mentioned them and, and under Dana Altman, like, look, future Hall of Fame coach. And this is a guy that has had a terrific track record uh, late in seasons in conference play, in the Pac-12 tournament, and then in the NCAA tournament. But right now, this roster without Infali Dante, who they haven't had basically this year uh, because of an injury, they don't have a dominant low post score and I, I think that's the one issue right now that gives me some pause but their defense for for teams that aren't used to seeing changing defenses like Dana Altman's teams typically do that that can just wreak havoc and create nightmares for you yeah and this team isn't in the Pac-12 but it's the but it's 
Gonzaga. They've been the basically the wire to wire number one team in all of college basketball. Finish the season undefeated, and they're on a rampage. Like they have demolished pretty much everybody who's been ranked in in their wake. Do you think that they're just going to steamroll their way to a championship? Look, it's a remarkable run that, you know, Gonzaga has been on so far this season. And you're right. I mean, sitting there at the top, number one, I mean, they are the clear favorite right now. And if you had any concerns, um, you know, about a team like uh, a Baylor, for example, taking them out, look look at what Oklahoma State was able to accomplish. So, you know, they, they won and, and they're not going to be playing for a conference championship in the Big 12. Like right now, I mean, Gonzaga is the team that I would point to as, you know, my favorite, the one that I would assume, um, you know, it's got the best chance of winning a national championship. But once again, you circle back through, Hey, is Gonzaga battle tested in that conference compared to some of the other teams? Like Oklahoma state's a really good basketball team and Baylor, you know, is, is going down the stretch and they lose that game, but Baylor's still super talented. You know, I look at a team like Illinois, for example, and they just put beat down on Rutgers earlier today. Um, and I can't wait to see that matchup against Michigan. Like to me, there's, there's a lot of positives here and there's a lot of opportunity for Gonzaga to really showcase their, their abilities in the NCAA tournament. I'm with you. I think they're the favorite. I would pick them to make a run to, to win another national championship. Yeah, that's a big deal. Um, but uh, we're on with Mike Yam, who spent a long time, 10 years at the Pac-12 network. But uh, he's now over at ESPNU Radio and Pac-12 Radio and the NFL Network as an anchor and a host. So, but uh, Mike, you you spent, obviously, you were there at the Pac-12 network when it, when it started. And what do you yeah. think the Pac-12, that it needs to do to get back on track? Well, look, I mean, I think the biggest thing is we're seeing a change in leadership. Larry Scott, the commissioner, is not going to be there, um, you know, any longer. Uh, once the summer comes around, like, there will be a new commissioner in place. There's new ideas. Uh, you know, I think that change in direction, I think, is is something that I think the conference and, and probably Larry, I mean, I had an opportunity to talk to Larry after that decision was made. He actually came on Pac-12 radio with us. And, you know, I think he was looking for a reset. I think the conference clearly was looking for a reset. And, you know, it's how do you allocate resources? How do you make sure that your teams are going to be able to keep talent um, on the West Coast? You're not losing it to other leagues. The focus has to be football. Um, I, look, we all know that football is, is king when it comes to college athletics. It's the biggest driver. And the league has not had uh, the success that that it you know it probably should have had to be honest with you and look I mean the commissioner is not changing the results on the football field and I, I think anyone who would point to that is just completely misguided but you know you do need to put yourself in a position to succeed and obviously scheduling has been an issue in this conference uh, officiating at times has been an issue as well there's been some missteps and then you talk about from a financial standpoint you know where this league is at right now and and it's not necessarily you know towards the top you can point to the distribution deals for Pac-12 network and um, them not getting fully distributed, uh, distributed, which was clearly an issue for the league in terms of finance. But I, you know, to me, I just can't wait to see where this league goes because there's a ton of talent on the West Coast, there's some really strong teams that can really make a run. Uh, but they got to get over the hump, and it, you know, it starts with getting a college football playoff team in the mix and then winning a national championship because there's been too much of a drought. And and right now, the league is just not 
as relevant as it should be in in football. I would agree with with all of that, Mike. So, do you think that the that the I would say that the prevailing criticisms of the Pac-12 leadership do you think that they were unfounded, or do you think that they were well? I would say, do do you think that the criticisms were unfair or unfounded? Look, no one runs a perfect shop, right? I mean, you, you can go across the board and, and look, we're sports fans, so I'll use a sports analogy. I mean, you're going to make mistakes as a head coach. That's going to happen. Players are going to make mistakes out there. I don't think that you can look at what's happened on the West Coast in the Pac-12 Conference for you know basically the last decade and say it's been flawless. Like, there's no way. I mean, hell, Larry Scott would tell you. He said the same thing on, on Pac-12 radio with us. I mean, there's obviously been missteps, and of course, people would do things a little bit differently. I mean, there's a few things that I would have done, but Hindsight is twenty twenty, and you can't Monday morning quarterback a lot of these decisions. But you know, do I think some of the stuff has been fair that's been reported? Sure, but there's definitely been some other things that I think were blown out of proportion, or you know, the full story wasn't totally conveyed, and, and it was maybe missing a little bit of context. But I think at the end of the day, you spin this thing forward. You got some of the best academic institutions in on the planet. Uh, number one, you got some of the best talent in the backyard. I mean, the state of California alone has got a ton of tremendous talent in football and basketball. You know, there's an opportunity uh, for this conference to really thrive, but I think a lot of it is going to come on the, on the shoulders of the next commissioner and executing a television deal that will make sure that the revenues you're able to keep pace with some of the other Power Five conferences because as that gap increases, you just don't have the resources to compete. And right now, the league's not competing, and that gap is only widening. Yeah, well, what do you what do you think about the idea that that people say that that the conference has to have USC be the bell cow in it, it the, the the bell cow in general, but especially in the South for the conference to reach the you, you know for it to regain to to its sure. glory. Do you think that there can be another team to carry the water for the conference besides USC? Yeah, you know, I've heard that. And look, would it be great for a blue blood program like USC to thrive a thousand percent? And that would be awesome for the conference being in the number two television market in the nation uh, in Los Angeles would certainly be huge for the league. I'll say this. I don't think it matters who's winning on the West Coast as long as there's a Pac-12 team that can consistently get it done. Washington a few years ago got there when Chris Peterson was there and they lost to Alabama in the college football playoff. Oregon, well, a couple of years prior to that with Marcus Mariota, they got to a national championship game. Remember that was that Jameis Winston yeah. matchup at the Rose Bowl. They were able to win that one. I mean, that was an incredible football game to be at. Um, you know, and the league has gotten some marquee wins. I mean, Stanford has won a couple of Rose Bowls. We've seen USC with Sam Darnold. He won a Rose Bowl against Penn State. Like, the league has done well, but – I think right now, Oregon has got the best chance under Mario Cristobal to really search. The recruiting has been absolutely stellar. He's got those pieces. Um, you know, defensively, they've improved, and clearly they have some weapons on offense. But we all know this. Like, the lifeblood of every single program is is recruiting. And right now, Mario and his staff are recruiting better than everyone else in the conference. They got – the gap has closed a little bit because USC has come on, um, in you know, in this past signing day, and they did a tremendous – this job under Clay Helton, but I don't think the league says we can't be successful 
and and change a national narrative unless it's USC. I think it doesn't matter who goes and wins. It's how do you consistently keep your name uh, relevant? And unfortunately, unfortunately, the league hasn't always been relevant in years. And, you know, the other problem is I'd always say this. Wins in the Pac-12 when they're non-conference wins don't seem to mean as much as wins in other conferences uh, when they're big. But losses seem to be worth more and are magnified more in the Pac-12 than they are for other conferences. And you got to fight that narrative with staying up late on the West Coast. I mean, right now I'm talking to you, and it's 1030 uh, Pacific time. So it's one thirty in the morning and I just watched USC lose to Colorado. How many fans on the East coast are watching that basketball game? Like I would venture probably not many. And when the Heisman trophy voters are sitting there talking about, you know, the best players in college football, are they staying up pretty late on the East coast? Like I would venture that's probably not the case. So, you know, there's some, there's some geographical challenges that this league um, has had to deal with in its past, but that doesn't mean they can't win. Yeah, Mike, I I 100% agree with with all of that. (laughs) And that's part of the reason why I think that the next TV deal for the Pac-12 is critical because I say the most important ability in life is availability, and they haven't been quite as available as they need to be in the um in 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 terms of of all the networks and so final question for you do you think that that national narrative that you talked about about fighting uh, against do you think that that's built in because of the tv network partners like with the sec and espn fox and the big 10 and the the Pac-12 has had the Pac-12 network, but it hasn't had, but it's not an actual partner with any of those. And that's why I think that the Pac-12 has to go with CBS in, in terms of trying to get its games on when the SEC leaves for ESPN. Yeah, look, CBS would be a great spot from a national exposure standpoint. Look, the the model is different for the Pac-12 than it is the other um, Power Five conferences. You made reference to the Big Ten. They obviously have Big Ten Network, but Fox has, you know, I think it's like a 51% stake in the Big Ten Network. And the SEC Network is is controlled and owned by... by ESPN. The Pac-12 is owned by the schools, and that was done on purpose so that when these rights expire in in 2024, the league owned all of its rights, and they didn't have to share that pie. Now, that affected, obviously, distribution deals, and not to get too much into the weeds on television contracts. I'm with you that national exposure is going to be critical and to put your games on in windows that makes sense. Now, the big new kickoff that that Fox implemented, I thought that was tremendous and we saw some Pac-12 games uh, get placed and the ratings were actually pretty good, but that also then means 9 a.m. kickoffs on the West Coast and not every coach in the Pac-12 wants to play 9 a.m. kickoff games. You know, oh, there's only a handful that want to go and do that. So, once again, the geographical challenges are there. But, look, I, I love the idea, um, you know, with CBS potentially getting in. Like, that would be amazing if that happens for for the league. Um, but I just don't know how realistic it is. I mean, I think the COVID situation, you know, you talk to people in television and different networks and it's i shouldn't even say it's a tv thing like we've all experienced some of the challenges that come with COVID 19. um i do think that the the budgets and the belts maybe are a little bit tighter for the rights of the pac-12 conference 
you know, like it's not the SEC. Like the Pac-12 is not winning national championships. And for as much – and look, there's a passionate fan base. I've experienced it for the last 10 years. There are some awesome fans out on the West Coast that love their teams and are going to be watching no matter what network the games are on. The biggest difference between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the SEC and their fan bases, there's just more. Uh, you know, like, uh, if you look at the stadiums. Look at the size of the stadiums that they fill. Look at the stadiums on the West Coast. Like, they're they're smaller. They're not filling them like they are um, in the middle of the country and in the South. Like, we always kind of joke, like, you know, the options are a little bit different on the West Coast. You want to go surfing on a Saturday? Yeah. I mean, you could do that in Southern California. You know, you want to go, you know, to Napa and wine country, which is what I love to do. Like, I do that during the week on my days off. Um, you know, like, college football fans or people out in, in the Bay Area, like, they're doing that on the weekend. So, I do think that the, the the there are some dynamics that do make it a little bit challenging for the league. Uh, you guys, he is Mike Yam. Find him on Twitter at Mike underscore Yam. He's over at ESPNU Radio and the Pac and Pac Twelve Radio, and of course the NFL Network as an anchor and host. Mike, congratulations on your on your move. Hope everything is going well for you, and thanks for coming on the program. And when the college basketball games are over, get caught up on who is still standing and who was sent packing with Mike Yam on college basketball overtime on ESPNU Radio, Sirius XM 84. Thanks, Mike. I yeah, appreciate you, man. really appreciate the invite of being on the show and stay healthy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So, Ralph, okay, what were your takeaways from what Mike Yam said? Well, my number one takeaway was how bad the Pac-12 messed up by not retaining him as an employee um, because he is a true convert, a true convert. The name of this podcast is the Pac-12 Apostles. Like, he's the Apostle Paul. Wasn't on board and then got on board, right? He is still all about the Pac-12. He's still all about the West Coast. He didn't come from here. He came out here. He said it took him two weeks to understand East Coast bias. He's still excited about all the coaches and the players in this conference. 
And we were like the level of fortunate that we were as Pac-12 fans to have Mike Yam teamed up with Yogi Roth, two people who actually love going to work every day and do so much to highlight the benefits of being a Pac-12 athlete is one of the biggest blunders in the history of Larry Scott's just garbage tenure of 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 blunders. And I get that Mike Yam's a super positive guy and he's never going to throw anybody under the bus, but I mean – objectively speaking, even he's got to know how talented he is and how stupid it was to let him go. Um, but the, the other thing is I, I'd really enjoyed his take on, um, on, uh, the Pac-12 basketball, right? Because we, we, we try to do some of it. We're pretty football heavy. Um, but to know that he's still paying attention even this year is, uh, is pretty great. And he was watching the Pac-12 championship while you were, um, while you were interviewing him, something that you didn't even bother to do. Uh, <laughs> Dude, Oregon State, well, actually, I did have it on at the same time. But Oregon State was playing Colorado, man. I mean, like, how am I supposed to get excited about that? It's the conference championship. You didn't hear you. You don't want to. You don't want to watch the conference championship and hear Bill Walton moan into the microphone for the entire second half. Dude, I saw the clip of that. I was like, "What is he?" I, I felt like that was even excessive for Bill Walton. Oh, big time! It was. He 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 had me in my feelings uh, during that game. I just I was frustrated the whole time. So was it? Would you? Would you at rather? Listen to Bill Walton or eat pineapples? Well, listen to Bill Walton because one of them I physically feel unable to do, but they both bring me uh, much disdain. And it sucked listening to that interview knowing that Mike Yam is no longer getting paychecks from the Pac-12, but Bill Walton is. Um, See, that bothered me. I I thought about Mike, Mike Yam. Like, I thought he was pretty as... I think thought he walked up to the line about Larry Scott because he does know Larry Scott very well. And I thought he, he said that, that he said the truth. He was like, yo, he made mistakes. There were some things he did, did well. I think the amount of those that the uh, scales are not balanced. (laughs) You know what I mean? And and some of the mistakes were more that some of the mistakes were more catastrophic than the wins were positive, if that makes sense. That I thought he did good for, you know, I thought he did really good for the Olympic sports, but what everything that he did for the Olympic sports came at the cost of football. Right. And, and when it should actually be the other way around, like football should be elevated, which then helps the, the other sports, and then you can elevate the other sports after you secure football's position nationally. Yes. Because if you secure football's position nationally with the money, then the Pac-12 networks would have been much more valuable and people would have actually wanted to buy it, which then would have transferred to money, more money going to the schools, which then goes to the Olympic sports and all that as well. Right. Uh, yep. Yeah, um, and I, I I don't know. I just I thought it was a great interview. I think he's fantastic. I miss having him around. Um, but it is cool that he's still excited to talk to anybody who wants to talk about the Pac-12. Uh, I think that part of it's pretty great. And I'm listening to interviews all over the place with Yogi Roth, where he's saying the same thing. Where um, he said, you know, it's just time and getting new blood in there is going to be a really good thing. And you know, they're not saying the obvious thing, but we know they know. 
Yeah, we 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 know they know. We know they know. Um, and um, but now we can put on our interview from with Elijah Molden, former UW cornerback slash safety, uh, the all around good player. His dad was a was a, a first round draft pick in the NFL. He went to Oregon. He grew up. Um, he grew up in Oregon, as in Elijah, and then went to Washington and wore Ducks colors playing for West Lynn, where one of my best friends went to high school. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I do ask him the question: Why did he do this? And it was funny because Washington fans were all in my mentions the other day when I said that I was going to ask him this question. Why would you ask him this question? You're an idiot. And I'm like, no, why would I not ask him the question? I would be incompetent if I did not ask him. So here's the interview with Elijah Molden. Elijah, welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me on. And and thanks for getting my, uh, my Twitter handle right. The three instead of the E. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so um, th- this is an exciting time for you, man. I-, I-, I know I remember going through it. What has kind of the the transition from college to like, hold up, I don't play for Washington anymore. I'm a potential NFL draft pick. How- how's this time going for you? Yeah, man, I mean, I spent a lot of time just kind of, you know, visualizing what it would be like and hearing from my, my dad and, and my friends and what it would be like. But it's something that you don't really understand until you're in it. You know what I mean? So it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've been meeting some great people already um, and really just kind of like understanding that it's it's a business now. You know what I mean? The, the league is a business. It's not like football anymore. So it's it's been it's been exciting and I'm ready for it. Yeah, and as a, you know, former Pro football focused 2020 Pac-12 player of the of the year, finalist for the William V. Tro- Campbell Trophy, and semifinalist for the Ronnie Lott Impact. Both focuses on academic and on field pr- production. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what was your experience at Washington like? It was so much fun. You know, I I grew so much. Uh, as a player and, and as a person too, you know, just kind of uh, growing in, in confidence and maturity. Um, met, met some phenomenal people there. And again, they, you know, I look back on, on that time finally, and, and I wish I could have ended this past year on a, on a better note, but I'm grateful for what I, what I've had. Yeah. So, all right. So you are clearly a good, a good student being a, a semifinalist for the Ronnie Lott impact award and a smart guy. So how did you make a bad decision and go to Washington instead of following your father's footsteps and going to go play for the Oregon ducks? Yeah. So it was pretty, shoot, it was pretty simple. Like I went to an official visit, um, to Oregon and they play Washington and I think they beat them like 71 to 12 or something like that. I don't know. I wasn't on the team at the time, but <laughs> at, that, at that moment I knew I, I wanted to play for them. Now, oh, that was the year that Browning pointed at, uh, pointed. Yeah. Oh Lord. Yeah. Yep, yep. so, you know that uh, that was the first time that Washington had won in 12 years, right? Yeah, I understand. Listen, I used to be, I used to be on the other side and I get it. 
So what, like, so my, my son is, is, is coming up in a, um, as a, he's a, he's a freshman, he's a football player and he wants to go to Oregon at this point in point in time. But I told them like, no, like you don't have to go there. I want you to go wherever is the best place for you. So how did, how did your dad take to you going to, to, to Washington? And was he encouraging you? Like, don't worry about this legacy thing. Just go where you fit best. Yeah, I mean, you sound like a father who loves his son, and and um, that, I think that's what my dad did at the time. You know, I wanted, like, like your boy, I wanted to go to Oregon um, my whole life growing up. And then I got to a point in my life where um, I kind of wanted to, to go my own path and see, see where I'd end up. So um, I took that leap of faith. And it paid off. And my my dad from the jump, he actually wanted me to go to UW just because of all the opportunities up there with Coach Lake and 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 um, you know from the academic side too that we have yeah. a business school. So, so you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, my 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 dad loves me, and he wanted me to go where where I wanted to go. So it, it was a situation that it was pretty easy to be honest. You know what I mean? Yeah, see, see, I I appreciate that because for some people it, it's hard to get over that and say, oh, hold up, my, my my kid has his has his own path. So how much? Because your dad was a first round draft pick, longtime NFL player. How much was he able to help you in terms of your development? on the field or was he kind of more hands off and, you know, was more involved in the mental aspect and all of that? Yeah. So he was actually more hands off until I showed interest. So he was never someone who I, who, you know, would overwhelm me with, you know, coaching points. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the dad yelling at the refs or yelling at me in the middle of a game. It was more, I had to show interest on my side and then he would, um, you know, provide me with answers. So it was, you know, I think, you know, once when I'm, once when I'm a dad, that's, that's the way I want to do it too with my kids, just because at the time in my life right now, if, if he was the opposite of that, if he was someone who, you know, put pressure on me, then I probably, you know, I would be the person I am today. So I'm grateful for it. And what was your experience like at, at UW? Because, you know, obviously did, um, were, were you on the team that went to the college football playoff or were you the year after? Yeah, I was the year after. So we went to the Rose Bowl and Pac-12 championship. Um, yeah, my first, my second year there. So, so how did so ex- explain to me the culture of the of the Husky fans because even though I'm an Oregon guy, I respect how passionate that Washington fan base is and how much they really root for the Huskies. Yeah, I mean, I miss them a lot just because this past year we didn't you know we didn't get to play with any fans, um, and for me, it was, there's nothing like seventy thousand plus cheering you on. Um, you know, there, there's those super dedicated fans from, from anywhere, like you see on Twitter. You know, those, uh, you know, you know those type of fans. And oh, they're yeah. They're just like the ones who, and there's other ones who, you know, just show up and they just love the game and they love competition. Um, I, for sure, one of the, you know, one of these years down the road, I want to want to tailgate before uh, a UW game. That's one of my. It's my fun, players. dude. Yeah, that. That's on my the, 
Uh, honestly, that's one of the most fun things is when you get a chance to come back and experience it from outside the stadium. Like you get a chance to go mm-hmm. and eat. Even even though you miss kind of being in it, like you still get a chance to experience it. It's a totally different and a, a, a fun experience. What what was what was your relationship like and experience with Coach Peterson, who's now who, who now stepped stepped down because Coach Peterson was our wide receiver coach at Oregon when I was there. So, and I remember everybody loved Coach Pete. I knew he was a coach uh, up and coming, but to see all of his success was was really good. Yeah, yeah, and he was there my dad's uh, last year at Oregon too. So that was kind of uh, our connection to Coach Pete. Um, I I love Coach Pete, man. He's such a great leader. Um, I think he's, uh, I think his charisma. It's like everyone everyone's drawn to him just because. He's passionate about what he says, and he believes he believes in what he says. Um, you know, and he, he's just he's just authentic. You know what I mean? Like he he tells the truth, and um, it's it's looking back at my college career too. I was lucky to have a coach like him for sure. What was the transition like? Because it seemed to out to out the outside world that Coach Pete that he you know that he retired pretty abruptly, and then it was handed over to Jimmy Lake as the new head coach. What, what was that transition like? Yeah, I mean it, it was in the middle of the pandemic. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it you know in a sense it wasn't going to be smooth just just off of that. Um, but Coach Lake did a – I can't, you know, I can't think of a better way. He could have came in, uh, like I said, during, in the middle of a pandemic and, um, you know, get a team to buy in to what, what, he's, what he's saying. Um, it, I think it was a different, different coaching style than Coach Pete. Uh, Coach Lake, is, he's very competitive, he's very fiery, and he demands a lot out of his, out of his players. And uh, I, I was used to it just because he was my DB coach. But it was fun to see him expand his role uh, for the whole team. So I'm excited to see what they'll be like, you know, a couple of years, a couple of years from now when they're, um, you know, used to Coach Lake's coaching style. Yeah, what well, the uh, what Washington has had a pretty, you know, pretty successful history of DBs in the NFL. You have. Buda Baker, who's think the highest paid safety right now has been really good. Byron Murphy, you know, um, Mark Marcus Peters, obviously, even though he, he left under different terms, but you yeah. guys have had a bu- bunch Ezekiel Turner. You guys have had success. Why do you think that is? I think it's more just the expectations in that DB room. Uh, as soon as one group comes in and, and sets the bar, then the bar stays there. And, and, you know, in fact, the bar is raised just every year, you know, and I think, you know, it's that's credit to Coach Lake. He he had high expectations for for us and he demanded excellence and, and we stepped up to the play every year. So, you know, I think at this point, you know, when I left that DB room, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to leave and I wanted to raise the bar for the younger guys after me. So what, what do you think that the, so the, Oregon Washington rivalry, I think, is one of the most underrated in in all of college football. I don't think that people understand how like it's it's mean, but it's also there. There's a respect attitude toward yep. towards it too. And I, I know how people from Oregon feel uh, about it because I think it was generated in the fact that Washington was so much better than Oregon for for so long, 
and then Oregon got good, and then that's what brooded even more. What's it like on the Washington side? Like, like, don't give me the PC answer because I know that you're coming that you're coming out. You can tell the truth to us. Like, what does Washington? How does Washington view Oregon and view the rivalry? Yeah, shoot. I mean, that was the game. A big reason why, or a big part of you know when I decided to come back for my senior year. Um, I was most looking forward to that game just because I, I wanted to end. I think, I, you know, I played them three years, and they, they they beat me twice. They beat us twice, and I wanted to end it two and two. And when we when that game got canceled, it was just heartbreaking. Um, I think I really do think that, you know, a rivalry game like, like you know, like, like with Oregon and with, and with Washington State, I think it's generated with the fans and then – from there, it's escalated on the field. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, that, that week does mean more. Uh, I don't care what you say. So, and, and oh. like you said, too, like there, there's some respect there's some respect between the two of us uh, in a very competitive way. I don't know if at that time I would have said that. You know, I don't know if I would have said that I respect them and in, in their game completely. Um you know, they're Oregon. I mean, they're always a contender for the Pac-12 championship, and we felt like we were we were also in that position. So, in that situation, it was a good game. Yeah. See, I I thought that this year sucked so bad with the game being being canceled because I actually trolled Softy a little bit, uh, and we and we got oh, yeah. a big. And we got in a big argument because I because I, I said, oh, we'll we'll see if Washington is willing to uh, play short players or what, whatever. But but just really kind of trolling the uh, situation. But I was definitely as devastated as a fan can be because I, I know that you guys are actually in it. And that was terrible. But I can't. Can you talk about what it meant for that game to be canceled and then knowing that you guys would then be Pac-12 champion, well, Pac-12 North champions to go then down and see the, then play in the championship game, but then not yeah. getting to play in the championship and saying Oregon then go win it. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was just a prop, like a worst case situation. You know what I mean? Like we wanted, we wanted to play them so bad. And then um, a couple of people got popped with, with COVID and then, um, we had to cancel the game, and then it was just all the speculation as to why we canceled all that stuff. And uh, you know, we're competitors, so like, we knew, you know, we knew we wanted to play them, and we wanted to, you know, to put it on them and have a great game against them. But that wasn't the situation. And then at that point, it was like, you know, if we would have played in the Pac-12 championship, it would have would have uh, left a bad taste in my mouth a little bit because, in a sense, we didn't earn it. You know what I mean? So. Credit to Oregon for going out there and, and winning it, but we then we would have had their number if we played them. Okay, that's a, that, that that's one that we that, that we won't know, but <laughs> but uh, it. In, in general, though, right? So I'm a even though, like you know, I'm an Oregon guy, and I quote unquote, I, I hate the Huskies, right? But okay. I'm a back to I'm a back to pack guy because I hate the disrespect to the to the conference. So when Washington suits up against Michigan uh in week in week one or week two this upcoming season, I will want Washington to win that game. Like are you a back to pack guy or are you like uh I hope Ohio State blows the doors off of off of Oregon when they play him? No, I'm a I'm a back to pack guy for sure. 
Uh, I want Oregon to win. Like, listen, I got some. I got some friends on Oregon. Uh, some of my best friends are, are playing on that team. So, you know, um, and and to be and to be honest with you, the pack needs some some big wins. We haven't had any in a minute, so. Uh, I'll, for, I'll for sure be rooting for him, and we. I think we need to. I think we need to take the next step. Um, you know, I think we need to. You know, get in that conversation of elite conferences. I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. And I think some fans have a hard time saying, "All right, look, let me put my fan allegiance aside," because if you're Washington, you should want or Oregon, you should want Washington to beat Michigan, and then Oregon to beat Ohio State, and then you go beat the other team. Like that looks good yeah. on you. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, no, go on. Yeah, I was just saying, one hundred. I one hundred percent agree with you. You know, I don't. I think Ohio State, and they, they already have too many wins. So at that point, the more wins, the better for us. If if So you're, you're coming up on the NFL draft, and you have to go through the combine, and it's not – like it, like it was. I, I I know that you never went went through it, but you know you normally fly to Indianapolis and go through all these tests yeah. and all of that. So what is what is your situation? What they're having you do in terms of workouts and all of that, being that coaches and stuff can't attend in the same way that they would normally do it. Yeah, so we have a a, a combine welcome meeting tonight. So I'll be getting some more information uh, at this point. I think the deal is that, you know, we all have pro day and that's really the time where scouts, GMs and coaches can see, you know, can see his work. Um, I know there's only three people from each team invited. Uh, and then at that point, I think the, the NFL is going to, we'll have a couple player. I think it's like 150 player. I don't know how many players they'll fly them down to Indianapolis for like a medical eval, but there's, you know, there's nothing, there's no type of uh, combine testing in person. Yeah. Okay. Uh, final, final question for you, uh, Elijah, because if, when you were younger, did you have a particular team that you rooted for? Or is there anybody that you're saying, all right, look, I want to go to this team if, if possible. Yeah. I actually, I've never had a team like that. Um, I've had players growing up who I've loved watching, uh, but I've, you know, for whatever reason, I've never really had an NFL team like that. Okay. Well, listen, Elijah, listen, thank you for coming on the nightcap tonight. I appreciate your time. Dude, I wish you nothing but the best and much and much success. Not so much to your, to your, to your Washington Huskies, except for in nine, nine conference games. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, hopefully that you get drafted, you know, it, it w- wouldn't it, wouldn't it be dope to be a first round draft pick just like just like your dad or or a high draft pick and all that? So I wish all you you all the success that's possible. Thank you very much. That means a lot. At Bed three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, Ralph, what did you think about the interview with Elijah? What were your takeaways? I like what he had to say about University of Washington fans. Um, and and I kind of like, I felt for him a little bit when he said that, you know, he, he goes out there his senior year hoping to go 2-2 two and two against Oregon. They cancel that game, and all he wants to be is be around those Washington fans, because I do think they have an incredibly passionate fan base, probably one of the best in the entire Pac-12, um, certainly top three, right? And yeah. they, um, they're they very, very passionate, and I, I would I would put them against anybody's fan base in any conference um, as far as how much they just really, really love the support, uh, the sport and support the program. But to not have the experience in front of those fans, who is pretty obvious that he loves um, his senior year, you know, I'm not sure how many other Pac-12 football players would actually give that type of an interview where they spent time talking about being bummed that they didn't get to play in front of their fans because not every Pac-12 fan base is is as passionate as the as the uh the Huskies bunch are so I really enjoyed that part of the uh interview yeah I, I thought it was interesting how he talked about his experience with getting uh with getting their game against Oregon canceled and how important it was for him to do that well how important it was for him to play in that game and then ultimately to see Oregon go win the championship that he he was like we didn't we didn't earn it like we didn't have to play away away games all that stuff I thought it was pretty cool of him to admit that but the other part was is that we've had discussions about back the pack about whether you should back the Pac-12 even when your rival is playing against some somebody else. And I'm a person who subscribes to that. I remember when we did that episode last year, people were like, oh, no, how could I could never do that? Joe and Healy. Like, what up, Joe Healy? <laughs> that's, yeah. that, that's that Joe Healy stance. Yeah, and I'm like, that's, that's the optimal move. Like the, the conference, like if you're a Pac-12 fan – the conference needs more than anything, some big wins, exposure. So if I'm an Oregon fan, I want Washington to win every single game until we play them. I want every Pac-12 team to win all of their non-conference games and then let in conference whatever happens because ultimately you need a dominant team or two. Like that way you can finish up one one person, whoever it is, finish 12 and 0, 13 and 0 after the Pac 12 championship every single year, and you'll get a team into the bowl game, into the 
college football playoff every single year until they change the uh, model. And I think that everybody should be behind that. I agree. Um, I, I don't understand why anybody would not, but I'm, I'm always interested in hearing those arguments from people. Feel free to, uh, to, to throw them out to us as to why. Those must be like Reese's peanut butter cup people. You mean like normal humans? Is that what you're talking no. about? No, no. I'm saying like people who don't back the pack. I bet you there's a bit correlation between <laughs> them and liking Reese's peanut butter cups or, or peanut butter and chocolate together to begin with. I can't go down this road with you. It's like the it's one of the world's greatest discoveries, and you're you don't you don't like it. I don't know. I. I feel like you'd be like, hey, you know what else sucks? Oxygen. Like you're on the verge of taking that step by saying that peanut butter and chocolate don't go together. And I'm just not going to go down. I had some Reese's brand pudding this week. It's chocolate on top, peanut butter on the bottom. What do you think of that? I, 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 I think that. I think that it sounds like one of the worst. Like I, I can't figure out why you would do that to your taste buds. <laughs> Okay. That's, well, that sounds like that sounds like hospital food. Okay, world's greatest hospital. Let's go. But <laughs> I, but I, I, I do want to also bring up this part of the interview because I thought it was interesting. You asked him why University of Washington keeps sending these defensive backs into the NFL and why and why they've been successful. And he kind of gave you a Mike Tomlin. Did you catch that? That the standard is the standard. Basically. Can that really be it? It's like, oh, that's just the culture. So we have to. We don't have a choice. No. They set the no. standard, therefore we succeed. Uh, no, I, I think that it's a combination of talented players, which, which number one, you, you have to have. Number two, I think they've been coached up really well. And like three, like they're just super competitive. So like they, they, they've had success as a defense. And when you have success as a defense over the last few years, I don't think they've given up 35 points in years, right? And you don't give up a ton of big plays. They've been well-coached and talented. That that That's what I think it is. I think they've recruited really well, and they have developed those recruits really well on, on top of that. So I would, I would say that that's a plus for them. You don't think you can just develop that type of culture and then take players that would have been mediocre otherwise? And uh, No. Okay. No. Dude, the talent wins. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a talent-based business. If, if a guy doesn't have the hips to do it, you can't make him have the hips just because he's around people with, with, with great hips. His hips will get yeah. better, but they're not NFL hips still. They, uh, I know I know. I try to turn everything into Arizona-centric stuff, and so I didn't, didn't tell you to ask him this, but I am really curious to see because they have two absolutely physical – like phenom freaks in the defensive backfield and Jacoby Covington and Dominique Hampton, two guys that are like over six foot two and run a sub four five. And uh, I'm, I'm just wondering if that next iteration of the Washington defense is getting ready to show up this year, or if we're going to have a little bit of a lull with, with uh, Molden on his way out. Yeah, we will see about that. Now it is on to basketball. We're playing basketball. We're playing basketball. Okay. Did you lose that last note? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the NCAA tournament is upon us. But but before we even get to that, there's a little bit of housekeeping. Utah fired their head coach, Larry Kristowiak, 
after how many years had he been there? 10. Yeah. After 10 years, he only made the NCAA tournament three times. No, no deep runs. I mean, it's hard to not fire. I mean, like it's hard to not fire a coach after that. Right. I suppose he did have what six 20 win seasons in a row went to the NCAA tournament in 2014, 2015 and 2015, 2016. Um, but is playing 500 basketball over the last two years. I think one of the issues is a little bit of a lull in recruiting. They were taking guys that I wasn't really sure were meant for, for, for that level. Um, and they have kind of a, a, a tweener, uh, six six forward has been their best player the last couple of years. Timmy Allen, you want to guess what state he's from, George? Arizona. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's been their best player. He's a leading scorer this year with with a little over seventeen a game. I thought their issue this year is they just didn't have a point guard. They really didn't have anybody in in that role that was that was doing anything for them. I think um, their assist leader was averaging less than three a game. So do you think he are you okay with him being fired? Uh yeah, I think so. I think they definitely need to level up as a program. They were sort of stagnating. Um part of me is bummed for him because he had his son on the team as a as a freshman. Uh but at oh. least he got to coach him that one year. Um however, however, the entire team really only had one senior. I think he was like a Juco transfer named Alfonso Plummer. Um, he's from Puerto Rico. He's averaging 14 a game. Other than that, if they can keep everybody together, they're bringing everyone back. Everyone. This team has two, three, four, five, six, seven sophomores. And probably four of them were actually getting minutes. Okay, and so are you okay with him being fired? Yeah, absolutely. What I'm saying is this team is super young, and if they can keep it together, then whoever comes oh. in and steps in is going to inherit four sophomores and two freshmen that actually played meaningful minutes this year. Yep. And Timmy okay. Allen potentially could come back. All right. Um, the other piece of housekeeping that we had is uh, you brought to my attention that Jalen House is leaving Arizona State, and you were surprised by that. I was, and, and I think yeah. that it's a sig- and I think that it's a signal that Bobby Hurley is probably going to be out as head coach of the basketball team. Okay, well, I mean, so your your guy Aaron Torres, he said that Bobby Hurley wants out. And I'm trying to figure out if he's speculating there or has any inside information because what he cited was the whole blow up with Ray Anderson where the emails got made public about a booster hitting on his wife and then Ray Anderson letting that booster fly on his plane afterward or whatever. Um, that was a couple of years ago and, and they seem to have made nice in the media at least. Um, but ASU basketball has accomplished some really good things. They've definitely leveled up from Herb Sendek to, to Bobby Hurley as far as their ability to recruit, and they've been able to win some really big games. But anytime there's any type of expectation on this team, they absolutely crumble. They just shrivel up and die in the face of expectation. Bobby Hurley also has shown no ability to recruit big men yeah. at a high level, at least not at the level that he's recruiting guards and and forwards. And he even lost Anthony Coleman to the University of Colorado, the former Adidas rep, 
who they went back and rehired away from Colorado uh, to, to try to get some traction there. And that didn't work out. And then his main assistant, Rashawn Burno, just took a job um, at Northern Illinois as a head coach. So Bobby Hurley's kind of out here on his own. And now would be a good time if he was looking to take one of these openings that, that, that are available anywhere else in the country and maybe get a fresh start. The Jalen House thing stings because Eddie House is probably the best player in program history as far as a four-year guy. The argument could be there for James Harden, but anybody who follows ASU basketball knows it's Eddie House. And his son, about halfway through his sophomore season, they were finally giving him minutes. And he, I mean, he has... He has something like uh, – he's he's averaging something like two and a half, three steals a game. He's as good at defense as his dad was at offense. And so for you to be the son of an ASU legend and finish your sophomore season getting over 20 minutes a game and still bail at the end of the year, um, the, the question remains what the heck's going on. And I think it's one of two things. One, he should have been getting over 20 minutes a game far before any of this. They're super crowded in the backcourt. And Bobby Hurley is going to usually try to go with offense over defense. So that's going to leave him as the odd man out. The second thing is he was part of a high school team in Arizona that won four consecutive state championships. And he was paired in the backcourt with a guard named Javon Blackshear. Javon Blackshear, who is one of his best friends, they won four state championships together, is playing in his first NCAA tournament game with Grand Canyon University this week. And the popular thinking is, Jalen House is going to get the band back together, go to Grand Canyon University, and try to accomplish big things alongside oh, the guy he won four state titles wow. with. Wow. Yeah, because they just went to the tournament this year. And if they get more talent, then you're like, all right, there'll be a shoe in to make it into the tournament. All right, right. Um, and that and that could be that could be uh, really big because Javon Blackshear is kind of a Chris Paul type point guard. He averaged twelve points and five assists as a sophomore. If they could play two years together in that backcourt, they might do some special stuff. All right, either either way, we think that Bobby Hurley's out, right? I think it would be a good time for him to find another opportunity. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and now it is time for us, our NCAA tournament bracket and predictions. All right. Um, time, time to pull them out, Ralph. Okay. So this will be interesting to see who you have winning, Ralph, because, um, according to a patch of tweet by Dave patch, who is uh, subjected to uh, Bill Bill Walton's antics more often than any man should be. He said Bill Walton has five Pac-12 teams in the Final Four, even though two of them would technically have to play against each other on, on the way there. He... He did. Uh, I think he's just repped in the conference, and it was funny, and and I appreciate it. Um, I'm not sure the Pac-12 is going to have a very easy time in this um, in this setup, though. It seems like it seems like almost all the Pac-12 teams have a pretty tough road. Uh, one of them being on the five end of a tough 12-5 matchup, and the other one being on the 12 end of a 12-5 matchup. Um, I don't know who. Let's start there. Who do you no, think has actually, a better actually, chance? No, 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 no. We can't start at the five twelve. We got to start at the play-in game. All right, let's start at the play-in game because I mean, we, we have to, right? That that game is first. Yeah, that does that, was it ASU play-in game? Got they got knocked out of the play-in game a couple years ago, or two years yep. in a row? ASU got the play-in game, something like that. 
Yeah. So first thing is, I thought UCLA deserved to be in the playoff game, in the play-in game. They did not. Um, they didn't finish the regular season well. What, what, what they lose like four straight games. I thought they were. I thought they were fortunate to make it into the tournament, just on, on any level. To make it at all. Yeah. After the like, it's it's tough to get in when you lose four straight games. Yeah, but I felt like they were they were pretty good all year. Like, and they were top twenty five most of the year, were they not? Yeah, but they were last four in. Like, so so they barely made it in. Um, so how do you like them versus Michigan State? Michigan State brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. M- MSU MSU Spartans brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. <laughs> um, I like it. I, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping beyond hope that they get the win because that will mean a UCLA BYU matchup. And, uh, if you are part of PAC 12 Twitter, you know, that, uh, one of the biggest UCLA fans on Twitter, equity Bruin spends all day, every day trolling BYU for no apparent reason, um, as they are outside the PAC 12 altogether. And I think that that would make for a really fun few days for him uh, and also for the BYU fan base. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with UCLA in this one. Yeah, I'm rolling with UCLA in in the game, too. I think that they will ultimately win it. I think that they have a, a legitimate shot. Well, a, a legitimate shot to win this game. And I don't think that Michigan State is special. But then as soon as they... As soon as they win, they go into a game with BYU, which I think is winnable as well. So I actually, I actually got UCLA. It's crazy that they have to win two games to get into the round of 30, 32, but then they would probably get Texas. I, 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 I can see them getting to the Sweet 16, but – you know, winning three games in a row to get to the tweet, Sweet 16, ordinarily you would only have to win three games in a row to get to the, what, the uh, the Elite Eight. So, I, I don't know. The, the way this team has lost four games in, in a row, I just don't see them putting three quality games together in a row. I think they beat Michigan State and lose to BYU. All right. Um, okay. Now we can move on to your 5-12 Matchups. I got so you got Colorado playing Georgetown and Tennessee playing Oregon State. I think we split those. I think Georgetown beats Colorado and then Oregon State beats Tennessee. Why don't you? What's the reason that you don't uh, you, you don't respect uh, Colorado and McKinley? Right? They just made it all the way to the Pac-12 championship after why. having a solid I, year. I they did have a solid year. I don't know what it is about Colorado. I'm not feeling them. And you and you gauge that energy very precisely. I know what it is. Oh Lord, it's is it something about is it something about height? McKinley Wright's only six feet tall. What does that have to do with it? He's not. You under tell six me. Feet tall. You tell me. You tell he's, me. He's, well, he's not. Under he's six listed. Feet tall. He's listed at six feet tall, and he's a basketball player. So, do you really think he's six feet tall? Uh, he looks six feet ish on the uh, court. So you don't have a problem with McKinley Wright's height? No. McKinley right the fourth. No, I, I I just don't think that I just don't see this team as special. Like he he's the one guy that can go get a bucket when they when they need it. You know what I mean? Like if it comes down to a one possession game, 
I like M- McKinley Wright versus pretty much anybody else in 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 the conference where you're where you're like we need one bucket and you're not going to get it get any help and we need a quality shot to get off i i think that he's a i think that he's probably the guy but i just don't believe in the rest of colorado's roster in terms of like they don't feel special they feel good they don't feel special okay well i disagree Uh, I think Georgetown is a bad basketball team that got hot in the Big East tournament. Um, I think that if, if uh, this is a hot take, but I think if Georgetown had not had four games canceled the middle of January, I don't know if they make the tournament at all. Well, they, why they, they, they won the Big East. Because I don't think they would have been in the position that they were in within the Big East tournament if they had another four losses on their schedule. Well, you know, if if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. If if they, if, if if and ands were pots and pans, the whole world would be a kitchen, Ralph. It's two things that I have learned in my life as a basketball fan, and it's that the people who take the Big East and the ACC tournament too seriously get their bracket busted immediately every single year. Well, I'm not picking Georgetown to win six games. I'm picking them to win one. I'm picking them to win one and then lose. I don't care whether they play North Carolina, Greensboro or Florida State next. They are going to lose that game. So uh, you have Colorado winning against Georgetown, and then what do you have them doing? I think that you're going to see Colorado move on. Um, I think they're going to get Florida State. And uh, I'm feeling good about it. I think I think we get I think we get a Colorado Sweet Sixteen run. I I, I think they I lose to Michigan because because I, I think that the Pac twelve is completely underrated this this year. I I, I de- definitely do. And then the other five twelve mat- matchup. I like Oregon State over Tennessee. I think that I think that Oregon State proved that they're scrappy. I think that they have the underdog men- mentality that they're not going to think that they're, you know, hot shit after they won the Pac-12 championship. I think that they're, they're still going to think it's them, them against the world. So I like that. I don't think that Oregon State is up there talent-wise with Tennessee, but Tennessee's consistency week to week, game to game, has not been great all year long. And so I look at this game and and – I think I might change my mind on this one. I think we might actually we might actually get an Oregon State upset just because of better coaching and more consistency. Because Rick Barnes' teams fall apart in the tournament. They sure do, but it's almost like every time they played somebody even halfway decent, because they just got beat pretty good by Kentucky, who didn't even make the tournament. LSU's in the tournament, and they, they, they lost to them recently as well. Um, and they, they also lost at Auburn, and this is all within the last couple of weeks. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that Oregon State's going to win because they have more talent because they don't, and I'm not saying that Oregon State's going to win because they won the Pac-12 tournament. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think that the I think it's more of an issue with Tennessee and Rick Barnes. So I'll I'll, I'll give yeah, this one I, to Oregon State. Okay, now what do you see from the Trojans of USC? How far do you think they can go? I'm, I'm I want to know from you, like how, because. You were talking to Mike Yam, and and you seem to be pretty high on them. But it, I don't know if I big am, men translate. I am, 
I am high as far as their potential. Like they are one of the biggest teams in the tournament. They have a top five draft pick in Evan Mobley. This is a talented football football team, a talented basketball (laughs) team um, at a a football school. Do you think they could, do you think if, if Kansas beats Eastern Washington, do you think they get past Kansas? I think they can beat Kansas because Kansas has proven they can get, get beat. They got run out the gym by Gonzaga and they've, they've taken some losses. So I'm, I'm not, Kansas is not unbeatable. I actually have USC beating the winner of Wichita state and Drake. And then I'm actually going to predict them to beat, uh, to beat Kansas. And then, because I think the PAC 12 is going to just surprise people bigly. Um, and then I like Oregon to beat VCU. I think they have a good shot against Iowa. If they can, if they cannot get killed by Garza, then I think they'll win the game and you'll have USC Oregon in the sweet 16, which of course Oregon will win like they did again. Uh, and then you will have Oregon in the elite eight. And I think that that's where it stops versus Gonzaga. I'm with you, actually. I'm actually with you on this one. I have Oregon beating Kansas and losing to Gonzaga. I I know that people say this every year, but I'm feeling it. I think this is the Zags year to to go all the way. Yeah, I I have them winning the World Series championship. (laughs) No, I'm joking. I have them winning the NCAA championship, too. If the Pac-12 expanded to have a couple of schools that only played basketball, no football, would you take Gonzaga? Absolutely. Who else? They, they Who would else add would value. Bring? They add value. I mean, I don't want like LMU. I don't think there's any other West Coast Conference would, team that I that I would. Would take. you take St. Mary's, their rival? Mm. Or UC Santa Barbara, just to make trips to? I would probably take UC Santa Barbara before because I believe that if you put them in the Pac-12, that they could recruit. So, uh, St. St. Mary's, not so much, but UC Santa Barbara, it's a UC school. So people, so kids will want to go there. They'll like living in Santa, Santa Barbara, even though it's white landia, they, <laughs> they will still like being there. So I think that they could be competitive, but I would absolutely take Gonzaga hands down. So we're all, just to be clear, we're being super big Pac-12 homers right now because I have all five Pac-12 schools winning a game. All five. Is that realistic, though? Uh, that's just what I have. I have Colorado. I, I have. I only have four of them winning. I have Colorado, have Colorado losing. losing. Yeah. Yep. To so, Patrick Ewing. You know why? Patrick Ewing's really tall. It has nothing to do with that, <laughs> dude. He was a Nick. It's got nothing to do with that. It's a, it's a height thing, man. It's a bias. Oh, oh, okay. Like Colin, Colin, so oh, so it's McKinley Wright versus Patrick Ewing. So I'm in your that. mind. I think that's exactly what it is, <laughs> dude. Do you know that my that my um that my wife? I'm sorry that that my that my mom has told that she told my sisters because one of one of my sisters is short. She's only like five two, five five two, five three, super short. AKA normal height for a woman. (laughs) So she goes, uh, listen, you cannot marry a short man. Like you cannot marry a man under six, two. 
and that has been ingrained. These, these are the rules. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, is that, is that, is that the same for you throughout your life? Yes. Yeah. You exclude everything under five, five. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Have you, have you seen my kids? <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll just say that for anybody out there listening to this, who is average height or below, I see you because <laughs> I can't see over much because I am also your height. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I have a 15 year old who's six two, a nine year old who's five feet tall, a 10 year old who's almost five feet tall. Yeah. So we're, and, and, a and a baby who is, what would you, would you consider the, the, the baby who's not two yet to be tall? Well, he got tall hair. <laughs> the hair adds like an an extra fifteen percent of height. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Pac Twelve Apostles Podcast. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your energy. Peace out. Catch you guys next episode. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.